0: Welcome to Moneymaking Making Conversation. I'm your host, Rashawn McDonald. It's time to stop reading other people's success stories. I say that all the time, every episode. And start writing your own. You have to understand it's about you, it's about your efforts, it's about your planning. And people always talk about the gifts and... On purpose, I always tell people, if you have a gift, lead with it, and don't let your age, friends, family, or coworkers stop you from planning or living your dreams. On my show, I interview celebrities, CEOs, entrepreneurs, and people I like to call industry decision makers. My next guest is a graduate of an HBCU, Howard University, Leonard Robertson. He's an actor, writer, stand-up comedian, and has a degree in management information system. Boy, you can be employed anywhere in this world with a degree like that. This year, Leonard is currently appearing on the fifth and final season of HBO's Insecure, where he's reprising his very popular character. The Emmy-winning HBO comedy series, Insecure, airs every Sunday night, 10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 p.m. Central. We'll be talking about Leonard's career, pursuing acting, writing, and stand-up, is a company member of the Groundlings Fame Sketch Comedy and Improv Troupe, and also as a cast member on MTV's from my boy Nick Cannon's Wild and Out. Please welcome to Money Making Conversation from Howard University to Hollywood, Leonard Robinson. How you doing, sir? How you doing, brother? Good to meet you. Well, you are up from Connecticut, and then you, that's where that's where it all started, right?
1: Yeah, uh, originally I'm from Danbury, Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Spent a little time in Tokyo, and uh, went to Howard, and Really, kind of found myself and found my place and purpose over at Howard University, and and then moved to New York, came to Los
0: Angeles, and and now I'm here. Well, you know, Leonard, I got to slow you down. See, so you just ran through your whole life, man. Mm-hmm. Your life is really interesting. You got <laughs> judo in your background, you got wrestling in your yeah. background. You didn't want to get into that whole aspect until you got to college. So slow it down, yeah. you know, because that's what this show is all about. Because your 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 resume proves to me that people expect certain people to do certain things when they are headed in that direction. And you altered Mm. that direction. Why did you alter the direction? Well, you know, growing up in a small
1: town like Danbury, uh, there wasn't a lot of outlets for people who want to act and be creative Mm -hmm. in that space. And also I had parents, you know, where where that that was unfamiliar to them. So it's hard to encourage your, your children to do something you're unfamiliar with. Right. And so I, I dabbled in it as much as I could in um, in Danbury, but uh, I actually got into you know very active in sports, very active in, in wrestling and judo, and and for a time, you know that was that was my focus. Uh, but when I went to Howard, uh, I you know wrestled for a very brief time at Howard. Um, when I got to Howard also, you know, majored in business. So, you know, it's, it's years and years of not necessarily pursuing my passion and what I wanted to do. However, I think all those things I did in between are are the reason why I'm able to keep doing what I do now or reason why they, you know, that makes me successful. You know, the discipline and, and focus I learned, uh, training, uh, for wrestling and judo is the same kind of discipline and focus that I bring into acting and entertainment.
0: Well, you know, some not everybody who, who wrestle could act. You know, just like everybody, yeah. who rap can sing. So you just talented, my brother. Let's go. On. We can throw that focus in there, Leonard. But you got talent, okay? Let's go. On. I appreciate that. Let's go. On. Let's go. On. I like to separate people, and give them credit because mm-hmm. a lot of people want to just slide that. Well, you know, he's focused, you no? Know, well, he can mm-hmm. run for a touchdown. No, no, that guy who ran for that touchdown—that's his skill. That's his. That's his blessing. That's that's what enables mm-hmm. him to be great. And in, in reading your your resume and your bio, you know, like my degree was in mathematics. My minor mm-hmm. was in sociology and i went to work mm-hmm. for ibm and everybody thought i was gonna you know live a life i thought i was gonna live a life as a career mm-hmm. as an ibm executive and but mm-hmm. then i realized that wasn't me it was realized that you know it was it was it was it wasn't creative enough for me i mm. think that was my turning point i realized that i was going to be boxed in one day and i was not going to be happy with my life was mm-hmm. did you do was that a similar tone with you Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, my father worked for IBM over 23 years. And, uh,
1: you know, that's why we spent a little time in Tokyo, was transferred into uh-huh. transferred to Tokyo for three and a half years. So it was it's in my it was in my blood just to, you know, be familiar with computers and, and business. <laughs> yes. So, you know, my undergrad was in management information systems. Um, I ended up programming and, and doing um, systems administration work out of college for a little bit and the story i always tell is I, I switched to a small boutique consulting firm and i was doing a lot of back-end programming you mm-hmm. know making websites basically is the short of it you know all the all the engine that runs a website that you don't see and working long long hours you know an average was 14 hours a day and there was one day when uh, our project had stopped and we we're waiting for another project and i we had nothing to do for weeks and I was literally banging my head on the desk saying, what am I doing here? This is not what I'm supposed to be. Mm. What do I need to do? And about the fourth bang, I just popped up. I was like, I can quit. <laughs> <laughs> and it's such a simple thing. Right. But, you know, for a lot of people, you get put on a program, you get on a put in uh, on a path and you think, well, this is what I'm supposed to do. You know, I was. Uh, I went to Howard University. I studied business. You know, I, I pledged Omega Psi Phi. I became the boss list of our chapter. Mm-hmm. Uh, I served uh, on undergraduate Supreme Council. Like I was very uh, everything I was doing was related to business. It was right. it was about you know organization and leadership, mm-hmm. and you know it was something I had an aptitude for, but I didn't have a passion for. So even even throughout all that, I was always you know in addition to you know. The funny guy, you know, cracking Mm. jokes in the office. Right. Or I would uh, take acting classes uh, and, you know, after work, I'd go take an acting class. Mm -hmm. And that's where I felt more alive. That's where I felt more in line. But I had already invested so much time into doing something else. I didn't think that there was an alternative until I I decided to make that choice Mm -hmm. and say, no, Mm -hmm. I'm going to make this choice today. And I'm going to, you know, I'd rather put in 18, 14 hours for myself. Right. And figure this out, mm-hmm. then put in another 14, 18 hours for some other company to, you know, to make them successful.
0: You know, it's really interesting because when I was reading your bio, because a lot of your qualities were similar to mine. I remember when I was a freshman in college, I, I looked at management information system as an option, you know, as a degree option that eventually just wound up in mathematics. Well, I went through civil engineering, then chemical engineering, then I wound up in mathematics and minored out in sociology. But, you know, when you're doing these things, man, as an African-American, you know, you're just trying to get out. You're trying to just build mm-hmm. your way. You're trying to fit in. You're trying to fit in the white community as well because you're mm-hmm. trying to, Get that nice house, that nice car, and this is the way Mm -hmm. you've been told you can get there. And so when you start altering that, like you said early in the interview, a lot of people don't understand, Leonard, that, okay, you know, what a stand-up comedy does to make money. They understand what Mm -hmm. an engineer does. They understand what a bank teller does. But when I I told my family and friends I was going to leave to pursue a career as a stand up comedian, I couldn't even tell them how I was going to make money, okay? But I knew that's (laughs) what I wanted to do. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm talking about, Leonard. Uh You you, you just know that's what you want to do. You're going to throw, you have a plan of action, you have a passion that you're driven to. But then again, you know, we're talking about insecure, but you've been on NCIS, NCIS, you know, Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. you've been on Young Shelton. So your resume is not just tied to the interview that I'm bringing you on the show about that success allows you to go back to your family your friends really understood why you made that decision how did Mm -hmm. that how did it look at you now
1: well it's 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 funny because uh for years my mother would always say something like well you know you can when times got when times got hard and I would tell her like you know it's it's a little rough out here right now (laughs) she would always say you know you can go back to grad school and I was like for what? Like, and it would just be years and years of that. And but now, you know, people, you know, I think Jay-Z said something like uh, when you first come in the game, they try to play you. Yes. Then you drop a couple of hits. Look how they wave to you. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. That's kind of where it is right now. Like now it's you know, there's no way I could go get a job in mm-hmm. anybody's corporation. Doing IT work, Mm -hmm. I've been out the business. I've been out that business too long. Right. I have no idea what how they do things. Um. You know. Today, it's it's something that I would you know maybe have a thirty minute conversation with somebody about. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Cool. Right. Right. And then go about go about my business. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean, when you when you make when you do things that seem impossible or try to do things that seem impossible to people, the first instinct I think is to call them crazy. And that's what I experienced, you know, when Ooh. I quit my job and I left. A lot of people called well, me crazy. Well, well, a lot of people might and... have thought you
0: crazy when you play as a sci-fi. You know, a lot of people thought I, <laughs> I was crazy, you know, because yeah. they were going, why, why? why, What was the rationale yep. behind that? But I would tell you this, it changed my life. You know, I'm going to be a, just honest mm-hmm. conversation. I was just flowing through college with no direction. Uh, Leonard and 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 I just I, I saw a goal. I saw I needed a goal. Mm-hmm. I needed a platform where I could um, start start moving my life forward. And when I pledged yeah. Omega Psi Phi, it moved my life forward and it got me into the community and it changed my whole perspective and the values I have by pledging the fraternity. That's why I always recommend people whatever fraternity you pledge or whatever sorority you pledge, it can be a blessing if you understand why you did it. Why did you yeah. pledge fraternity? And that ter- fraternity of choice was uh, Omega Psi Phi.
1: Well, I, I, I come from a long line of, of Black Greeks. You know, my, uh-huh. my great grandmother uh-huh. um, Jesse Hathcock founded a chapter in, in, in Dayton, Ohio. She has a building named after her at University of Dayton. So there's a long history, of A.K.A.s on that side of the family. My, my father was a Kappa. My, my my uncle is a is an Omega from Fisk, and. Um, that was just kind of not really a question for me. Uh, to be honest, as a kid, I saw I always saw my uncle's brand right, on, right, right, uh, right. on his arm. And I just I was just like, yeah, I want to get one of those. I did not even know what it was.
0: So your dad uh, didn't have the diamond? He didn't have the diamond? No. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Had, had my dad been branded, I might have been a capper. I don't know. No, nah, no. Nah, you uh, but you were right. You were some, right. You weren't right. but
1: <laughs> well, look, there was something about about uh the Omegas that, you know, my first week on campus, I went to a I went to a Omega party at Alpha Chapter uh-huh. and at, at our at the frat house and I stayed all night. I partied like I was one of the bros. <laughs> right. And I yeah. said, I don't know what this is, but I need to be part of this. <laughs> and then as, you know, you do more research yes. and you get more into it, you're like, Oh, well, this is way more in line with you know, what I think my values are, what right. I think my principles are. And so I'm going to strive to that. And, and some of my best friends, you know, still to this day, you know, are from that era, my line brothers and, and other frat brothers. And and just aside on, you know, my path into entertainment, you know, mm-hmm. I credit one of my chapter brothers, uh, Buddy Lewis, um, 84 Alpha Chapter. Not nobody for Yeah, well, you know Buddy then. Buddy, mm-hmm. buddy, when I was in undergrad, um, kind of set me up and gave me my game plan mm-hmm. because I came out to Los Angeles uh, to visit uh, this conclave mm-hmm. and stayed with him for a day. And he took me around and showed me how, you know, what his life was like as a stand-up. And when I went back to Howard, I still had about a year and a half left, but I knew I wanted to be an actor and he's though, he was the only person I knew in that was in the entertainment business. And he gave me basically the foundation, um, that I needed to 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 create my own blueprint on how to proceed, and without his mentorship early on, um, I don't I, you know I probably still I probably would be an actor today.
0: We'll be right back with more money making conversations with writer, stand up comedian, and actor in HBO's *Insecure*, Leonard Robertson. This is Rashad McDonald. Welcome back to Money Making Conversations. As I continue my conversation with writer, stand-up comedian, and actor in HBO's Insecure, Leonard Robertson. When I think about what you're doing, you know, I, I thought about when I was looking at your resume, I just saw stand-up comedian, and I realized mm-hmm. was in 1992, I did Deaf Comedy Jam. I did oh, well. with Dave Chappelle, Ari Spears, and of course it was hosted by Martin Lawrence. And there were there were when, I, when we went on stage, and when I went on stage, I didn't have any restrictions in my my mindset, you know. And I and I see how stand up has been shaped by a culture, and some of it's right. Some of it we should be much more sensitive about how we what we say and the ramifications of how people perceive it, because people can take what you say and shape it to their own personal narrative. How as a, as, as a as a as a working and active acting stand-up comedian. How has that affected you as far as stand-up, or maybe maybe not has affected you as a stand-up? You know, it really hasn't affected me that
1: much because most of my comedy is is very personal. It's it's really just, I'm really just talking about me and things that affect me. I, I think that, I think that oftentimes we can, as stand-ups we want to step into somebody else's conversation right because we see something that's funny or we see an angle but you know you don't need to pick up every every fight every conversation you know you can just let let somebody else carry that right <laughs> that's that's all I'm gonna say about that you know I don't well you like, don't want to get into uh, you know being a comedy police or or whatever but just just know that sometimes you can talk about some topics and some areas that affect other people deeply. Mm-hmm. And it's not your fight.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, you know, some, I, I'm not even guiding you into this conversation, Leonard, about uh, being a comedy police. It is about uh, certain things of having a certain amount of freedom that I had in '92. That today mm-hmm. I would have to think about: is that joke? Is that joke worth it? Is that joke worth the uh, yeah. the the, uh, the consequences that might come out of it? You know, and uh, and. And, and so now you know we, we see it impacting various comics over the last five to ten years who have been who have done jokes in that nature that affected their careers as well as mm-hmm. how people perceive them as a talent moving forward. And my whole thing it didn't affect me because like you I was always talking about my lifestyle, my journey, my personal mm-hmm. I never went into social areas of concern or natures like that but it is different though but doing stand-up comedy is different today would you would you would you agree? Well,
1: outside of just stand up, I mean, the world is different right now. You know, Mm -hmm. people are becoming more educated and 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 more informed on a lot more issues than they had to be in the past. Right, and with that, requires a certain amount of growth on your part as the artist, the new creative, to understand where the world is right now, the temperature of the world, and decide: Are you going to grow with it, or are you going to? draw a line in the sand and say, I want to stay right here and keep saying these things. You know, you see it politically, uh, you know, the last couple of years, the whole America first bring back, bring back the good old days. It's right. like, well, when you say things like that, well, good for who? Right. You know, because um,
0: because the, the words that
1: you're using don't sound like it's going to be good for me.
0: <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I, I You know, the, the, the interesting thing about this whole world we live in is that, you know there are opportunities that come into your life that make a game changing role play in your life, and I'm going to say mm-hmm. that's insecure, Leonard. Uh, mm-hmm. your, your your appearance on it because you did Wilding out, and I want to talk about that with Nick mm-hmm. Cannon because Nick Cannon is a very good friend of mine as well. But but Insecure is a is a groundbreaking series. You know, yeah, it, it airs on HBO. Uh, I saw the I saw the new season that aired. Uh, Last night, let me just say, last night, the first of the fifth and final season. How did you get cast on that, and how did the opportunity come your way, as far as an audition? Well,
1: I was really fortunate in in that respect, and then I, I started auditioning way back in the you know at the pilot level, mm-hmm. and um, I auditioned uh, and tested uh, for the pilot, and then that didn't work out, and then they brought me back in for another role when the when the show got picked up. And that didn't work out, and it brought me back in for uh, about two or three more roles after that before I landed the role of Torian Jackson. Mm -hmm. So I really credit Issa Rae and Prentice um, for just having the um, determination, I want to say, on their part to to work me into the show some kind of way. You know, I... Often as actors, we always say, like, you know, don't worry about trying to book the job, try to work, the you know, book the room you right. know, so that they'll know who you are and they'll find something for you or, you know, just do your best. But I, I think in short, it's, you know, what is for you is for you. Right. And you don't have to worry about. Anything else other than
0: that? Well, you know, you know what makes that show work for me is that, and I think that's why, you know, they kept bringing you back, you know. They said, well, he, well, he doesn't fit this character. we have be like, like shoving him into a role that really doesn't blend. Because the characters make sense on that show, you know. When you look at mm-hmm. that person, eh, that, that person should be that person, you know. Yeah. And so your character was the same way. as a character that made sense for that whole thing. And so when you got the opportunity to get on the set and started – seeing people react to your character what was the biggest thing that you uh, felt excited about and being um you know featured on insecure and then being recognized as a talent that's also building the cachet of insecure
1: yeah I mean I, I came on season three. Yes. And, uh, you know, waiting for the reaction. And um, I'm just going to, you know, the way I, the way I feel about it is, you know, these roles, whatever you take on, try to do your best just to play it to the to the best of your ability. And then the audience reaction is whatever. People can feel any kind of way about whatever the character is. As long as you feel something, I'm, I'm happy. So I don't mind if it's polarizing for some people. But it just, you know, as long as I'm part of the conversation, <laughs> I'm glad. But outside of that, I'm just, you know, and I've, I've said this many, many times, I'm just blessed and, and feel fortunate to be included in this world and this universe because this show is so game changing and impactful for so many different reasons, um, largely off the screen. Um and it's just to be a part of that thing, that movement. Right. It, 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 I feel blessed. Like they, they, they've launched the careers of so many different people behind the camera. And that's just going to further, you know, they've planted these seeds all, all across the industry right now. And just it's, it's going to take a little bit more time. But a lot of them are, have already started to grow and reap. But, you know, five, 10 years, even 15 years from now, when you see all these executives, And producers and directors, and they talk about how they got their start. A lot of them, it's going to come back to insecure. Absolutely, And, and that's a beautiful thing. You know that they that when they had a show, they did just didn't keep it to themselves. Absolutely, they opened the door for as many people as they could, and and not only let them in, but gave them the room to learn and gave them the opportunity
0: to thrive. No, really interesting. And
1: and, and and just to bring it back to Nick Cannon, you know, I, there's a lot of parallels between that and, and what he does and Absolutely. what he's been doing. So,
0: Well, you know, I'm going to go to a couple of things that I can't do, that you do very well. That's improv and act. I can't act. I'm very. I was amazingly funny on stage. You know, I've. I, I noticed you by your bio. You, you're a writer. I was a sitcom writer. Very successful as a sitcom writer, but the whole aspect of improv, which Steve Harvey, who I managed, was a brilliant improv person. And what, what just separates the improvisational side, Leonard Robinson, from the acting side?
1: Um, you know, they're closely related. I think you know the the improv aspect of it. I do a lot of improv shows at the Groundlings Theater in Los Angeles and did a lot of improv before that. Um you know, improv it's just on the fly. You know, we're trying to we're trying to make these scenes happen, you know, uh based off a suggestion. Yes. <laughs> and uh and hope it all works out. So it's a little bit more like, you know, acting on the edge of a cliff, I want to say, than, right. than just being on a on on a set with a script.
0: Yeah, I I I I admire that. And then you was on the early years of wilding out. You know, which is Mm -hmm. the ultimate, which also is a groundbreaking show as well. Yeah. You, you know yeah. so you have to feel blessed about your life you know wild and out I, I feel it's the, the way we have, we have to say it's the longest running black improvisational show in television history I think we could say that yeah and then uh the groundbreaking uh HBO series insecure uh mm-hmm. telling the life of two African-American females as they interact between life social dynamics which is groundbreaking mm-hmm. as well so you, you've you've had a fortunate career so far and with that being said the whole how did the, being in the early years of the of the of Wild Out to what mm-hmm. it's become now talk about that transition and watching that brand grow out? Cause you're part of two huge brands in your resume.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I was really blessed. Uh, I, you know, it's like the you, you've seen the internet meme, I'm sure, like, you know, how it started versus <laughs> how it's going.
0: Yeah. You know, uh,
1: for me, it's like Wild and Out, it's like how it started, insecure is now how it's going. And I, you know, I, I have a lot of love and respect, you know, for Nick and, and that show and everybody involved in it because that was for the most part. Yeah, that was my biggest job that really kind of put me in in Hollywood when I hadn't been in L.A. maybe but six months right. when I got cast on that show. Mm-hmm. And, you know, before that, <clears throat> excuse me, before that, I was just focused on honing my craft. I was just staying in acting classes, taking a lot of improv classes and performing and, and doing as much stand-up as I could. And I wasn't even really aggressively trying to get on television. I was just kind of building up my skills because when I, when an opportunity came around, I wanted to be ready for it. And that opportunity came around. So yeah, being part of the original cast, the first four seasons of Wild and Out was a, was a real big experience and a, and a big lesson for me.
0: Well, the interesting thing about it is that uh one thing we do share in common is the writing aspect. You know, you were mm-hmm. part of the CBS Diversity Sketch Comedy Showcase and you were mm-hmm. in the first writer's room. Why writing? You know, why that why that's that, that goes back to that logic, I think, that's in your life, that focus that's in your life, that being able to understand two plus two is four. Is that what, mm-hmm. what that's what excites you about the writing aspect, the sitcom writing, especially the comedic side of it?
1: You know, what's funny is Again, it probably all leads back to Buddy Lewis again, because when I went when I met him in Los Angeles, he Uh was writing. Absolutely. He was also doing stand up, Mm -hmm. but he was also writing. And I Mm -hmm. had that little seed in my in my brain. And and then somebody else said something about writing and being an actor like you're going to have to write, learn how to write if you really want to. Show people what you can do. Mm-hmm. And then it's, it's one of those things where you, if you I try to follow up on if the universe, you know, if you see or hear <laughs> things three times from three right. different places, mm-hmm. you know, the universe is trying to tell you to tap into that. And so for me, the, the writing is is a way to make sure that I always have an option on uh, bringing my voice and, and point of view to the world. With my friend and without that, I'm reliant on somebody else to uh-huh. try and create something for me. Well, so do. I do a great bill I do a great deal of acting, I do a great deal of, of work. That's largely mostly what I do. In between, I'm writing. In between I'm 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 writing and preparing for the next thing. Wow. Um I'm just fortunate that I keep getting interrupted by a bunch of acting jobs, so that, well, you know wait, the world's don't, got don't, to wait a little bit longer well, to see a little well, bit more of
0: my writing. Don't, don't use the word interrupted. That's a, that's a blessing, though. you want right. You want them uh, the bookies. We don't call them interrupt- We call them bookies, you know. It's there the, you, it's go. The, you know, it's that old famous cry, you know, you sit around the house, and then one day you get that phone call, you get three dates as a stand-up <laughs> on the same date, you go, hey, where were these? Yeah. Why couldn't they be separated yeah. week by week by week, or month by month by month? Exactly. But, the, but you know, man, I'm happy happy you came on my show, man. because I wanted to hear your story, and and, and it, I, I consider some things that you've done a younger version of me, and you're doing great, and uh, <laughs> you're a graduate of Howard, the pledge to make a sci-fi, just a value system that comes with plays in the fraternity and sorority is what I push, and the fact you're mm-hmm. on the final seat of Insecure, keep winning, man, I I, I would I always be a fan that. of yours, man, if you ever want me to promote, I'm based in Atlanta, Georgia, so know you got a frat brother, I know Buddy Lewis, if you call Buddy Lewis right now, he say nothing but positive things about our relationship so when you come through you, through Atlanta, Georgia, make sure you stop in now come by my office and we'll we'll break bread together, okay
1: No, oh, no problem I, I appreciate it now and, and I will follow up on
0: that oh no I know you will I got I know you will and <laughs> guess what I'm, I'm I aim to please my young frat brother, okay <laughs> I, I appreciate you <laughs> okay, cool. thank you for coming on money making conversation Linda Robertson. <laughs> Thanks for your time. I appreciate it. If you want to hear any of my interviews or see any of my interviews, please go to moneymakerconversation.com. I'm Rashawn McDonald. I am your host.